Blog Talk Radio. Hi, and welcome to The Art of Film Funding. I'm your co-host, Claire Papan, along with Carol Dean, author of the best-selling book, The Art of Film Funding. Carol is also the founder and president of From the Heart Productions and the host of this show. Sandra Schulberg, president and executive director, is an accomplished producer specialized in international film finance and is a longtime advocate of off-Hollywood filmmakers. She founded the IFP in the late 70s, co-founded First Run Features in 1980, and is currently a member of the distribution cooperative New Day Films. In the early days of the Sundance Film Institute, she served as a nominator to its lab program and on the Sundance Film Festival Advisory Committee. She currently serves on the Advisory Committee of the Women's Film Preservation Fund, created by Women in Film and Television, and is a member of the Association of Moving Image Archivists. As a producer... She has many films to her credit, most recently, Beth B's Exposed. She also restored her father's film, Nuremberg, its lesson for today, the Schulberg-Waletsky restoration, and collaborated with the Academy Film Archive to preserve two dozen Marshall Plan and OMGUS films. Carol, I understand that Sandra was introduced to you by Deanne Estelle Vacari. Yes, Claire. I'm so thankful to Deanne for this introduction. And Sandra, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Well, now, you have a brilliant history in the film industry, so we're really honored to have you share your knowledge. So first of all, we'd like you to tell us about the Indie Collect team, how it came about, and what it does. Well, IndieCollect is a, a, a nonprofit organization that I launched uh, to rescue, restore, and reactivate important American independent films. I realized after working on the restoration of my father's firm, film, Nuremberg, that so many of my own colleagues' films needed the same treatment. I realized that although the IFP and Film Independent, two organizations that are very close to my heart and do extraordinary work, had not really tackled this this problem. Uh, Our archive partners are doing an extraordinary job, but not able to uh, absorb or or let alone preserve and restore the thousands of American independent films that are frankly likely to go extinct if they don't get migrated to a high-quality digital format. So IndieCollect's restoration initiative began to attack this problem starting in 2016 when we acquired our own 5K Kineta archival scanner. 
And that has enabled us to at least make a tiny dent in uh, solving this problem of preservation and digital access. I'm very proud to say that we have already restored about 40 films in that relatively short period of time, including uh, 20 films by women directors, and we're intending to do a lot more. We've also been able to physically rescue, identify and rescue about 6,000 original film negatives which, with the help of the Academy Film Archive, the UCLA Film Archive, the Library of Congress, uh, the Museum of Modern Art, the Eastman Museum, and and numerous other archives have helped us to place these negatives, which are invaluable assets, uh, in in their vaults, in their climate-controlled vaults, at no cost to the filmmakers. So this is this is just the first step in what really needs to happen for every filmmaker whose work originated on film, let alone the problem of work that originated on tape. Uh, so we haven't started to tackle the problem of films originating on tape. We're still focused on collecting and identifying and and preserving the films that were that were shot on on film on celluloid right well um let me ask you about this 5k scanner that you uh that you got is that an expensive piece of equipment it's pretty darn expensive yes uh the, the quality of scanner that you need to do this kind of work at a very high level is in, you know, starts, uh, ours is $150,000. It's, wow. they, they can go higher. There are some available for less. But the, the Kineta, which is the one we use, is specially designed to handle vintage film. It does not rely on the sprocket holes, which could be torn or which which could be torn when you get the negative or other film element yes. or could tear in the process of scanning if you were to use that kind of scanner. So it advances the film using uh, padded, what are called particle transfer rollers, which uh, not only advance the film through the, uh, through the scanner, but also remove some of the, any surface dirt that may that may be on the on the film, and we find that we've gotten really extraordinary results with the with the Kineta scanner. It, it's not the only one on the market, but it is particularly well suited for the work that we handle. Most of the work we handle, you know, dates from the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, and and early 2000s, and especially the older material, it tends to be warped, uh, shrunken. Uh, it may also have been uh, have, have gotten faded over time, which is a, a different problem. But, but the warping and the shrinkage is, uh, can be very challenging to, to deal with, and we find the Kineta is very adaptable to, to helping us get High quality scans that we can then use to restore the to digitally restore all these all these movies. So, 
that does so when it scans it does it turn it into a digital product yes it it scans each image frame by frame mhm and it outputs a cineform raw codec which is then QC'd we then our editing department reconforms the picture very often we're dealing with A and B rolls, which have to be knitted back together. The dissolves oh and the fades have to be recreated. Uh, the sound has to be captured separately and sunk, synchronized back to the picture. And after that process has been completed, then the film moves into the restoration phase, which begins with color correction. So when you have a raw scan, uh, the scanning is done to, in order to give the colorist as much latitude as possible so that we can try to bring back to the, to the screen the original uh, color depth and range uh, that was in the original negative. We, I should stop for a second and say that we, we prefer to work with original negative where, where that's available, but some filmmakers have lost their negatives. Many have. And mm-hmm. so we've also had success using interpositives. Occasionally we've had to use internegatives or dupe negatives. And in some cases, as was the case with this long-lost film by George Romero, we only had none of those preprint elements survived, and we only were able to work from two damaged and badly faded 16 millimeter prints. So that is that creates you know special challenges. Um, they were both badly faded, but there's an awful lot you can do uh, in the in the digital restoration suite to to revive even a film that where you don't start with the best possible elements. This is marvelous. So um, how much time, well, let me ask you uh, the time, how long does it take to do a film approximately, and what is the cost? Well, of course, this the, the answer I'll give you involves a, quite a range because we could be, working on a a five-minute short or a two-hour feature. Uh, we could be working from original negative, uh, which is the, probably the best possible element, but also may require the most time. Uh, or we could be working from a print where many of the color decisions were already as we say, baked in, so there are fewer decisions for our colorists or the filmmaker and and the filmmaker to to make. Uh, so the it's very very hard to provide cost estimates until we know what elements we're working with, and we we really insist on on knowing what elements we're going to have available to us. And we like to get them in our hands and actually physically inspect them before we generate a cost estimate. Having said all that, we have found that, you know, as a very grosso modo average, that we're that often it comes out 
at around two hundred dollars a minute, I would say. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it's I I hope people won't latch onto that number and because it is it is so variable. It's it's so variable. Well, the point is, it's an expensive process, and it takes a lot of educated and intelligent people to handle this process to get it back to where or as close to where it was as possible. This it is, is an, an expensive a- process compared to, uh, in the sense that not very many filmmakers have, you know, ten to twenty thousand dollars sitting around you know, saved up in their bank accounts for this purpose. On the other hand, as a nonprofit organization, we have worked very hard to bring the cost way down. Uh, If you look at what the, an organization like the Film Foundation, for instance, uh, their costs range from, you know, eighty to two hundred fifty thousand dollars, for instance. So, uh, we we are really trying to bring this cost down to the to the level where the filmmakers, if we're if we have a living filmmaker, and we don't always, but the filmmakers and I can jointly raise the money to make this happen. The fact is, however, that it is a time-consuming and artisanal process. So. Even with our team working at, you know, nonprofit rates, uh, it is we we there just needs to be much much more money available to to save all the important films that need to be saved. And I Absolutely. I just would like to I'd like to stress that because you know for people listening to this, we're now there there there. There are almost no movie theaters now other than the few, you know, museums and and other venues that still offer us the possibility of screening a 35-millimeter print. But the vast majority of venues, physical venues, theaters, museums, etc., not to mention the streaming platforms, insist on having a a digital format, a digital file, a digital file of a motion picture to, to screen. And so effectively no any film that has not that that is not available in a high quality digital format is essentially dead and buried. It it might it, it may exist in people's memory, it may exist in the traces of reviews that appeared when it first was released. Uh, There may be good surviving film materials in people's closets or or basements or in the archives, but they're not accessible to the public. And unless a film is accessible to the public, it it might as well not, not exist. So this is this is the battle I'm fighting. This is the mission of IndieCollect because very, very few independent filmmakers and very few uh, advocacy organizations that try to represent the interests of independent filmmakers have the capacity to, to keep making this work accessible, keep 
migrating it to, to the next digital format that's required in order for the film to remain in the public view, to remain accessible. Right. Well, <clears throat> what's so important is uh, when filmmakers have a product, that can how do they reach you to discuss what the cost might be to transfer it to a digital product? Well, we're we're very. I'm glad you asked that. We're very accessible. I hope uh, the website is indiecollect.org, and my. Personal email is Sandra dot Schulberg at IndieCollect org. Uh, our offices are in New York City in Manhattan. Uh, anyone who we we welcome queries from filmmakers who are perhaps looking for their materials. We're, we're, we've gotten pretty good at helping filmmakers track down their original materials. Uh, and we're very good at counseling filmmakers on, you know, what's the best way forward for them to preserve their work. And then if they decide that they do need a new 4K restoration of one or more of their films, we're very good at helping them raise the money to make that possible, to cover those costs. We also feel, because... we it's it's not just enough to to get the film into a digital format you also have to increasingly help filmmakers get the film back out to the to new audiences and that's what we call the reactivation aspect of what we do uh, so we also have taken the lead in finding uh great showcase opportunities to to show off the, the new restoration and try to induce distributors to acquire the rights and re-release the films. Uh, we're going to be uh, also working with, for those filmmakers who want this help, working directly with, with theatrical and non-theatrical venues to help them get the film back out and working with various online or streaming p- partners to to help them uh, acquire these films as well. It doesn't do any good to do all this work, make this investment, uh, unless you can get the films back out to the audience. Exactly, and that takes us to this uh, New York Film Critics Circle who bestowed <laughs> its special award to you to Indy Collect for special work preserving American independent films. And Richard Brody said that restoration <laughs> and rediscoveries depends on knowing what there is to be rescued, and that mm-hmm. requires a knowledge of a historian and the discernment of a critic, along with the practicality of a producer. So this puts a lot of responsibility on you and your team. So it must be very difficult for you to make decisions on what you want to preserve or what you can preserve. We were so touched by Richard Brody's tribute to us. Uh, it was really extraordinary. He's, he's a longtime uh, cinephile and highly respected critic, and to get that kind of recognition from 
Richard Brody uh, and the New Yorker, which is the magazine for which he writes, and from his colleagues at the New York Film Critics Circle, was was just it was just a magnificent and totally unexpected gift. So I'm terribly grateful to Richard and and his colleagues. You know, very few people because we don't have money for publicity. Very, very, still, we're still a kind of well-kept secret, unfortunately. Uh, and that award really helped, I think, to bring some attention to to what we're doing. You ask how how we make decisions and and how difficult it is. I, I mean, the most difficult thing is just having to uh, face the fact that we 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 can't always solve the problem of where to get the money to to restore these films. We're deluged with requests. There 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 are hundreds and hundreds of thousands of films that need this attention, and they need it relatively quickly. Uh, and I feel it should be done before the filmmaker uh, leaves the planet because. There are so many decisions involved with restoring a film digitally. And I, I mean by that aesthetic decisions. It's essentially like remaking your film. Uh, mm-hmm. There are numerous decisions to make about especially the color. And, you know, unless, unless the filmmaker, him or herself, is, is looking, sitting in the restoration suite with you and saying, no, it's not that shade of blue. I, it was supposed to be this shade of blue. Uh, you, don't, you don't know for sure. And, and the reference copies often, a DVD or a VHS copy, often never re- represented the film, or even a film print, often never really represented what the filmmaker originally had in mind. So... It is a, um, as, as filmmakers, as the whole post-war, you know, baby boomer generation that really launched the whole concept of American independent cinema. These are the practitioners, the extraordinary work created uh, in the post-war period up through today, but especially those who are now in their 70s, uh, 70s, 80s, 90s, that work has to be addressed ASAP. So we, the the decisions that we make are, they're they're not, they're not so hard to make. Um, I think that it's really a matter of money. It's really a matter of, of, of not having the funds necessary. Well, like it's very hard to help raise the funds. I loved the, the fact that you said you would help the, the people to raise the funds. That's the most important thing, to give people a support and guidance and say we can do this and give them a price and something that they can work on to achieve. That, that sounds marvelous, Sandra. Thank you for that. Well, we do that in a variety of ways. We, we, we raise we, – we, we regularly – request grant money for specific films or groups of films uh, from the very few foundations that uh, that have uh, a program in support of film preservation or restoration. We've also been very fortunate that the Library of Congress 
uh, and its National Film Preservation Board have asked us to restore a number of films on the National Film Registry. So that has enabled us to uh, help those filmmakers get their films restored with money uh, from the Library of Congress. We've also tried to create a, a growing group of individual private donors who can either support the entire restoration effort or who can uh, vote with their dollars for a specific film. So we've created on our website an opportunity for each film to have its own, each film that we're working on uh, to have its own uh, platform and both the friends and followers of the filmmaker and donors whom they don't know whom we've tried to attract can then make a, a specific donor restricted gift for the restoration of that of that film. So these are the ways in which we try to raise the fun, help raise the funds ourselves or and or help the filmmaker to raise the funds. But as I say, it's there's just not nearly a large enough pool to support all the work that needs to be done. Yes, I understand. Well, there needs to be more understanding uh, and realization of how many films we are about to lose. There must be thousands that we're about to lose. Thousands. Thousands. Well, that takes me back to the information uh, about the wreckage that you found at the WRS lab in Mm -hmm. Pittsburgh. There were... found a lot of negatives in the nation time by Bill Greaves, and you restored that one. What happened there? Well, the WRS situation is is one of many, uh, I sometimes call them abscesses, that we're trying to land. WRS went bankrupt in 2001 and closed on very short notice, leaving many, many filmmakers high and dry. Uh, We learned only recently in uh, 2017 that whereas many, many, many filmmakers thought that all of the materials that had been in the vault at WRS had been destroyed, we learned that no, that a private collector had come in Uh, a wonderful man named Jeff Aikman had come in and purchased the contents of the, uh, of this bankrupt lab and then moved the materials to a warehouse nearby. Unfortunately, the conditions in that warehouse are not good and they're not, it's not a warehouse that is designed to hold film and sound elements. And although I, I know he wanted to, move the materials over the years. He, he has so many other films that he's got in, in you know, very good, clean, dry warehouses. Uh, he was never able to, uh, to tackle the problem of the WRS lab. So when we went there in 2018 to see for ourselves the condition uh, of the warehouse you know, we were struck by the fact that there, we, we believe there are about 70,000 film element, film and tape elements, film, tape, and sound elements, I should say. Uh, there was evidence of the roof having leaked. It was, it was very wet. Uh, 
the palettes are falling apart. It's 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 really a, a nightmarish situation, and uh, you cannot in that in that morass uh, you you cannot easily identify the films. Everything has to be removed, cleaned, uh, inventoried, and that would require about 10,000 square feet of space uh, to do that. So I've been working actually since 2018 to raise the money to just to tackle that, that operation. In the meantime, however, one of our colleagues this wonderful woman, Emily Davis, who's an archivist at the Carnegie Mellon University in Pittsburgh, who was with us on these, these, this trip, uh, she, she was able, by a miracle, to pick out in this mess uh, the, the original negative, the, the five reels of the original negative for Bill Greaves' long-lost film, Nation Time. And this is just one example of the, I'm convinced, many, many treasures that lie in that warehouse if we could only get them out and treat them properly and figure out what's there. But Nation Time is a film that Bill made. uh, He shot at the 1972 National Black Political Convention, which was held in Gary, Indiana, uh, in Gary, Indiana, thanks to uh, Richard Hatcher, who was the black mayor of Gary, and who invited uh, a huge cross section of of black activists and elected officials and community organizers to Gary to try to come up with a an agenda for a uh, to to chart the way forward. And Bill made this extraordinary film about that historic three-day conference, four-day conference, which was never released uh, in, its, in its original form. He ended up cutting a much shorter version, a, a little under an hour, that was shown not widely, however. And this is a, is a truly historic document about a a landmark event in the history of this country, this 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 National Black Political Convention. It's it's a remarkable document, and and the people in it are remarkable, uh, who include Bobby Seale and Jesse Jackson, Coretta Scott oh King, goodness. the widow oh. of Malcolm X, Betty Shabazz, Harry Belafonte, Dick Gregory, uh, Walter Fauntroy. And trying to preside over it all at Charles Diggs, Richard Hatcher, and trying to preside over it all and keep the keep the um, the resolutions, uh, you know, going, etc. Was uh, Imam Amiri Baraka, uh, who whose son is now the the mayor of Newark, Roz Baraka, but Amiri Baraka was was an extraordinary. Uh, figure in 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 American history and a leading figure in the in uh, the movement for civil rights and so he 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 
it's fascinating to see him at work during the during the conference. Yes. So this film, we we were uh, lucky enough to be able to restore from the original elements. It was very challenging because, of course, it spent 20 years in that that um, Pittsburgh warehouse. I I don't think it, it's it spent another 20 some years in the WRS vault where I don't. I don't know what conditions it was kept in there, but certainly in the last 20 years it had it had suffered. Uh, but we were nonetheless able to do a pretty remarkable job of bringing that film back to life. Oh, that's fabulous! That yeah, is fabulous, really, and, and so, that is only one one place that you have one, found. There's there's yeah. scores more across America, I'm sure. Well, yes, many labs shut down, and uh, some did destroy their holdings. Others uh, sold off the holdings. They're, we're aware of many caches of film that have yet to be, you know, yet to be uh, unpacked, as it were. And many filmmakers don't know where their elements have disappeared to. Some of them will be found in these various caches if we can only you know open them up to the to the to the to the light of day and that takes donations to indie collect right so anyone who is interested in helping you restore films period can send you a check or go online and make a donation <laughs> absolutely uh, the legal name of our organization is actually the laboratory quite a mouthful it's the laboratory for icon and idiom uh but we do business as as indie collect well let's and i'd also yes go ahead something excited i i wanted to know more about the joan fonda fund for women directors and preserving films for women that you've done such a marvelous job with Jane has turned into a an extraordinary supporter of Indie Collect, for which I'm just profoundly grateful. Uh, she and I met uh, last year when the Hollywood Foreign Press Association brought us together at their first um, film restoration summit. And at that time, I learned that Jane, who's you know a, a producer herself, had made a film that she had lost track of, a film called FTA, about the Free the Army uh, tour that she and Donald Sutherland put together to entertain uh, American troops that are, were either on their way to or back from Vietnam. It was a film directed by Francine Parker, who's no longer with us. And at the time... Uh, it was made in 1972. It was very, very poorly released. It's, we're still trying to learn more about why it didn't get the release that it, it deserved at the time. Uh, so we, thanks to our friends at the Academy Film Archive, we were able to borrow the original elements, which Francine had deposited at the archives just before her death, and uh, with a grant from the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, we were able to to restore this film, which will have its 
the restoration premiere of, on February 15th in Los Angeles, hosted by the Hollywood Foreign Press Association and the American Cinematheque at the Egyptian Theater, and Jane will introduce the film. So that will be uh, a really exciting event for all of us. It's a very important film. Uh, you know, it's it's it intercuts footage from there. This very witty uh, sort of review that they created that they wrote, with partly based on a, a script that uh, Dalton Trumbo created for them. And with lots of music and comedy, uh, so that in itself is great fun to see, with Jane and Donald Sutherland performing, along with Holly Near and Rita Martinson. Uh, but it's intercut also with interviews with soldiers, both black and white, uh, soldiers who are beginning to question why they're why they're being sent to Vietnam, and. Uh, fighting a war that they don't understand or or that they don't believe makes any sense. So this is a very important film I think for our our to understand uh the history of America and the history of American foreign policy aside from being great fun and quite moving. So Jane got interested in what we were doing when we were able to actually find her own film. And she very generously uh, not only made a gift to help us restore Nation Time, uh, which she, which was made the same year as, as her film, FTA, but she became very interested in our quest to restore more films by, by women directors. And she hosted a fundraiser that we held in Washington, D.C., uh, in November, when she was in the middle of her Fire Drill Fridays campaign, uh, she has become a, a fierce climate change uh, educator, I would say. And her Fire Drill Fridays were held every Friday uh, in front of the U.S. Capitol in Washington. So we moved our fundraiser to Washington because that's where Jane was camped out. And we raised an initial 80000 It's now turned into $90,000 to uh, try to restore at least another 10 films by women directors. And with that first batch of money that she helped us raise, we have uh, – can I read you the list of films you've been able Please. to scan? Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm very proud that we've been able to scan uh Are We Winning Mommy by Mar- Barbara Margolis, Death by Unnatural Causes by Lisa Rinsler and Karen Ballone, Hair Story by Latanya Richardson, The Mural on Our Street by Dee Dee Halleck, Other Children by Joanne Acolytis, Two Small Bodies by Beth B, which uh, which is actually uh, being shown in Rotterdam, uh, Holland today, uh, because after we did the scanning, our partners at Kino Lorber took over the color correction and got it done in time to premiere uh, yesterday and today in Rotterdam. So that's really exciting. 
We also have scanned Possum Living by Nancy Schreiber, uh, Under the Sky by Randa Haynes, Weeky Watchy Girls by Kim Cummings, and What Faroki Taught by Jill Godmillow. And we have another batch of films now that we've we we're on the, we're on a tear now and we want to raise money <laughs> to do <laughs> to see if we can't do 20 films instead of the original 10 that we we set out to do but we we have to raise at least another uh uh 150,000 dollars to to not just to get all the scanning done but to actually get the color correction and 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 restoration repairs made so anybody who'd like to support this, you know, it's not officially called the Jane Fonda Fund for Women Directors. That's sort of our our little in-house uh, tag for it. But it certainly has been inspired by Jane's championing of this of this cause, and I'm so grateful, so grateful to her. But we've had. Uh, you know, a number of wonderful people join Jane by making contributions of $10,000 or less. Uh, some of the people who've supported us include Beverly Grossman, uh, Nancy Meyer and Mark Weiss, uh, Adam Stern, uh, Monica Belay and her, and her uh, mother, Nancy Steen Adams, uh, the Weiler family, a whole bunch of people that are coming on board to um, help help get us to another 20 films restored that were directed oh, by women filmmakers. That is a great goal for 2020 to it get is. those films 20, made. 20 yes. in 2020, that's our goal. 20 in 2020, what a great yeah. goal. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Sandra. You've really been uh, so kind to share all this information. Most of us don't realize the problem. Uh, you know, you estimate seventy thousand film elements in that one warehouse yeah. film elements. Yeah. So yeah. who knows across America? And and of course, we are going to find the majority. Uh, well, I don't know if it's a majority, but we're going to find a lot of important films by women because that's what Richard was saying was that what you're doing is you're, you're bringing back, he said that the rediscovery of boldly original independent films that were previously unreleased or long unseen has expanded the map of the history of cinema and brought undue delayed recognition to some of its greatest artists. So we really appreciate the time you've given us today and all the work you're doing. So tell us one more time, in case people didn't have a pen to write it down, <laughs> how they can reach you. People, uh, either filmmakers who need help with their work or, or supporters who'd like to make, to make a donation in support of our work, uh, can reach us at IndieCollect.org. That's I-N-D-I-E collect.org and or can reach out to me personally at Sandra S-A-N-D-R-A dot Schulberg S-C-H-U-L-B-E-R-G at IndieCollect.org and and maybe in closing if there's another minute or two I'd like to just uh, highlight our partnership with the UCLA Film and Television Archive with whom we're collaborating on uh, a fantastic tour called 
Pioneers of Queer Cinema that's going to launch in April at the uh, at the Wilder Cinema at the Hammer Museum. Uh, we are going to be we've selected 15 features and 18 shorts with the uh, UCLA team, and a number of these films will be brand new restorations. Uh, our team is working on three of them. Coming Out Under Fire by Arthur Dong, Black Star Autobiography of a Close Friend by Tom Jocelyn, and A Comedy in Six Unnatural Acts by Jan Oxenberg. This whole uh, effort will be touring, this, this whole series rather, will be touring the country after its Los Angeles premiere. And so people who are interested in this uh, Historic Retrospective, Pioneers of Queer Cinema, uh, will have a lot to look forward to. The UCLA archive team is also putting together a wonderful program book. And Ruby Rich, uh, the scholar who coined the term New Queer Cinema, is writing the introductory essay. So this is another project that we could not do without our partners at, at the UCLA Film and Television Archive and at Outfest, with whom we're working on this. And I'm I'm just so grateful to them for uh, taking on this this great big project, and we're we're very proud to be playing a small part in it. So this thank is you. Marvelous. Thank well, you, Carol. Second, where can we yes. find out more? Where can we go online and find out more about this to buy tickets or uh, get involved? Well, that, that that's it's a little soon. We that that part hasn't started yet. The press releases and and uh, tickets aren't available yet. But because this launches in early April, so people should just stay tuned. It for the the pioneers of queer cinema tour is how it. Uh, how it's going to be uh, described and, and publicized. So there'll be lots. We'll be sending out newsletters, and, and the UCLA Film and Television Archive will be doing press releases. So it, I, I hope it will get onto everyone's radar uh, pretty, pretty soon and pretty uh, effectively. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And we hope maybe you'll come back later in 2020 and tell us how you're doing on this 20 films in 2020. <laughs> Thank you, Carol. That would be wonderful. Thank you so much for your interest in, in what we're doing at Indie Collect. Thank you, Sandra. We appreciate you and your work and your crew. You must have a stellar group of people with you. <laughs> we have a fantastic, fantastic team. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Claire. Oh, you're welcome. Very much enjoyed this. Lots of good okay. information there. Thank you. Right. Okay. Bye for now. All right. Be well. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you again. Uh-huh. Bye. Now, in its second edition, Carol Dean's popular book, The Art of Film Funding, has 12 new chapters to cover all areas of film financing and how to avoid expensive pitfalls. Learn how to start with an idea and end with a trailer. How to make an ask for money. Create your story structure and your trailer. Legal advice, fair use, successful crowdfunding, how to ask for music rights, and what insurance you can't shoot without. 
Available on Amazon under Carol Dean and at FromTheHeartProductions.com. I want to remind our listeners that David Raiklin is a brilliant and talented award-winning musician who scores films and can compose music for a trio or for a full orchestra. David is a very good friend to the independent filmmaker and comes highly recommended by From the Heart Productions. If you need music to help tell your story, please contact him at davidraiklin.com. That's David, R-A-I-K-L-E-N.com. And Carol and I want to thank you for tuning in to The Art of Film Funding. Please visit our website at fromtheheartproductions.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Good luck with your films, everyone. <laughs>